Hey guys, this is Pastor Neil. I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today on this podcast. Hey, would you do us a huge favor today? Would you subscribe, like, or leave us a review wherever you get this content? It really helps us reach other people with the gospel. Also, we would love, love to see you at our campus uh, on a Sunday morning. We meet at 1010 South Bowie Drive in Weatherford, Texas. You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Y'all sound amazing. Y'all are y'all should like we should start our own choir here and like go. Go on tour. You guys sound great. Oh, man. Uh, worship team, thank you. Thank you for leading us this morning. Amazing job. Amazing job. You know, God's so good to meet us in our worship, didn't he? He's so good. Um, before I open up in the message this morning, I have got a couple little quick announcements. Uh, if, it's, if it's your first time here, you've been here for a long time and you haven't had the opportunity to connect with us, we would love to connect with you and get you more information about the church. Um, here's the easiest way to do that. We have a text number, but we also have in front of you in one of these chairs, you'll see a little QR code. Uh, if you scan that, it's going to bring up uh, a, a couple things for you to connect to. Uh, but we'd love for you to connect with us. If you text the text, the text number 817-803-3131, um, text connect to that number, and it'll bring up electronic form for you to fill out. And we're going to send you a gift in the mail just for saying thank you for being here today. Uh, Because above all else, we want you to know that we love you and that we're glad you're here. Okay? Also, uh, Monday night, we had our men's dinner, our quarterly men's dinner. (laughs) And it was amazing. We had 70 guys in here, and they're all praising Jesus. And uh, it was just an amazing night. Uh, You feed them and they come, right? Just feed them and they will come. Uh, But it's good. So thank you, all you men that helped put that on and organize that. Um, it was amazing just to love our community, and uh, it was a good night. And so uh, what else we got going on? Oh, yeah, so Wednesday, this Wednesday at 630, we have our next step class. And so what that is, is we call it Discover Class. It helps you connect to the church. Maybe you're wondering more about what is what our house about, what, what, why, why are we here? So we tell you about the history of the church where we feel like God's leading us. But we also talk to you about how you can grow in your faith. We're going to do some uh, gifts, uh, spiritual gift assessments with you and some personality tests. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, and so we go through that stuff and, and help you find ways to plug in and get more involved. And also at the end of that, we give you an opportunity to, to become a member at that time as well. So that's Wednesday at 630. So if you want to get in on that, there's still time. You can text discovered 817-803-3131. But also, I believe on that scanner form, there should be a form to fill out as well. So no excuses to not be here, except for if you got to work. I'm sorry. So Wednesday, 630. Uh, And so let's just pray and get into the message. It's been such a good morning already. Uh, God has moved in amazing ways. I know he has so much more for us today. And so, Father, we thank you for the opportunity just to come in. There is no higher name than the name of Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, for that name is above all names. That name cures illness. That name heals us. That that name sets us free. And Lord, we are here in honor of that name, Jesus. We're here to honor you, Lord, with our presence. We're here to honor you with who we are. God, we just glorify you and you be glorified in this church and in this message today. Lord, I pray that you'd open the ears to hear, the hearts to receive, and the mouth to speak it. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen. 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 Everybody say devotion. Okay, I'm talking about devotion today. You know, we are, as people, we're devoted to a lot of things, right? We can be devoted to a lot of things, even when those things aren't playing out the way we think they should, right? We're devoted to the, the Cowboys. How many Cowboy fans? Like two, all right, all right. I know, it's been a rough season. You know, I don't even talk to you Packer people. Get out of here. Uh, my brother's a huge Packers fan. Yeah. How many of you Ranger fans fans in here? The Ranger fans, they're doing, hey, they're doing good this year, so we're super excited about the Rangers, right? And the Stars, are they still in it? I don't know. They are, okay, they're, they're fighting. And, uh, you know, some of you are devoted to those teams, win, lose, draw, it doesn't matter. You're out there. You go to every game. You watch religiously. You're devoted. And so there's things that we devote our life to that really aren't that important. But there's things that we devote our life to that are super important. And in our faith walk and on our journey with Jesus, as we're following him, we're learning to be more devoted to him. And being devoted to Jesus is is the highest priority for any believer. But I think we don't really understand what devoted truly means. And so I want to talk about devotion today and what it looks like to be a devoted follower of Jesus. Jesus created the church. He made you and me as part of that body, as part of that church to be victorious We talked about this, about uh, that success is something we shoot for as a church. Like we're successful when we have this many people or this great a service. But that's not really the goal. God has created the church to be a victorious church. Not a successful church, but a victorious church. A church that overcomes. A people that overcome. And when we're devoted to Jesus and we're devoted to the things of God, we can become overcomers and we can be victorious. And so I want to take a look at the first church this morning to dive into the, the very first church that was ever formed back, when, back in the day, back in good old Acts chapter 2. We're going to dive all the way back to Acts chapter 2. And we're going to take a look at the first church because they were devoted to three major things. Now, there's four things listed, but they were devoted to three major things. And those three major things is what carried the church on until now, today. You're here today because these people were devoted. I have my faith because these people stayed in there and they stayed devoted to the things of God. And so we're going to look at the first church. We're going to look at ourselves and maybe it'll help us to push forward because like I, because there's messages sometimes that, that make your roots grow down deep, right? When you read the word of God, you read it. It's like, oh, my, my, my roots are deeper. I'm a little more firm footed. I, I understand my faith a little better. Then there, there, there's the words in the Bible that that's tend to water us when times in need. Like we're feeling anxious, we're feeling depressed. Those words come in and they, they sprinkle on us and we feel refreshed and we feel like we can do this again. And then there's words in here that are like sunshine. Like, like they, they beckon us to rise up to them like a plant stretching for the sun. It beckons us to rise up and to become something better and to do more and to be more. And this passage is one of those today that I'm going to read that it beckons us as believers to become more devoted, to reach forward toward the goal that Christ has been set for us and to be victorious. And so if you have your Bibles, open those to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 is what we're going to read out of those. And if you would, we're going to stand for the reading of the word because the word is powerful and important. You got it? Not it's up there, but I'll wait for you. So here we go. 
All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. I notice as I read this, these people seem to be more than just devoted. They seem to be a little stronger into that because they met every day. They did all these things every day. They, they met their deeds. They prayed. They moved forward. But also the fruit of all of that devotion sums up the very last verse here in 47. All while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And the Lord added to their fellowship those who are being saved. I can't tell you how many times I talk to people that step into this church or we meet and they say, I've been coming to Waterhouse. I ask them, well, what made you come? So many people said, well, I was just driving by and I felt like I needed to come or the Lord told me to come or somebody in the church talked to them about Jesus, invited them to come. See, the Lord draws the people. The Lord makes the church grow. And I think too often as, as believers, we think it's like all on us to make the church grow. It's all on us to make the church be victorious. But all he's asking us to do is to be devoted to a few things, to be purposely devoted to these three things I'm going to talk about. Now, the word here that they use for devoted, because it says they were devoted to these things, the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, to sharing meals, and to prayer. This word devoted in the Greek is proskaterio. And what that means is this, to be firm, to be endure, to endure, to persevere, to remain faithful to a person or task. Because we think of devotion, we think of maybe our, our marriage relationship, if you're married. You, you vowed, right, to be devoted to that person. And the word devoted actually is the root of vow. But to a person or task, constancy, diligence, perseverance, persistence, persistent Obstinate, persist obstinately in. I love that. I think that's our word, to persist obstinately in. I think devotion, when you really look at these people in Acts, you look at this first church, because Peter gets up, he tells all these people about Jesus. They're out there speaking in other languages. They show up like, what is up with all this stuff? What's going on? Peter stands up. He tells them the gospel. He tells them that Jesus died for them and he rose again on the third day. And 3,000 people came to faith that day. So now they have this mega church on their hands and they're wondering, what do we do? But this church was identified, this church was people of devotion, people of obstinate persistence. I want us as church, I want me, I want my life as I was reading this, like, God, I don't think I'm devoted. I don't think I'm obstinately persistent in all of these things. Help me to be obstinately persistent, to be obstinate to let nothing else get in my way. Like this is the one thing that I seek after to set aside everything else so I can focus on these three things, God. Because we get so distracted. We get so uh, enamored in the world and all the things that we think that we need that we're not devoted to the right thing. We're not obstinately persistent in the things of God. We need to be stubborn, stubborn in our prayer, stubborn in our fellowship, stubborn in the word of God. And these three things are what we need to be stubborn in. 
and obstinately persistent in. So as we look at the church, we see number one, they were devoted to or obstinately persistent to God's word. God's word. Are you persistent in God's word? Do you wake up every day with the need to get into the word of God? I know some of you have the Bible app. Some of you have devotions that you listen to. Uh, some of you post things, and, and, and that's great for you. And that's awesome. You need to do that. But when's the last time you opened up this paper thing and opened it up and read it? Maybe on your, do you have a devotional life? Do you have time where you spend in the word and let the word speak to you? Let the word draw things out of you. Scripture says this is, the word is like a two-edged sword. It divides between flesh and marrow, spirit and flesh, right? So this is the dividing point. This shows me in my life where I'm not exactly being devoted to the things that I need to be devoted to. The word's powerful. It has a renewing quality to it. I love Romans 12. Uh, Paul is writing to the Romans, and he tells them this. He says, do not copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. How do you change the way you think? You get in the word. You got to get a new, you got to get something else in your mind because your mind is getting things bombarded into your mind and into your thinking that are not good. But when you get the word of God in there, it, it, it seeps in and it renews your mind. And then when you do this, you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and purpose and, and, and perfect. You know, people ask me all the time, and, I, and if you're in ministry for any amount of time, people come and ask you, Pastor, what's, my, what's God's will for my life? What's God's will for my life? I can tell you real simple, to serve him. I mean, what that looks like is different for everybody. But we can't know exactly what that looks like until we're diving into the word, seeing what God says about us, and, and stepping out in faith and doing the things that God has called us to do. He's called us to serve him, to love him, and to dedicate our lives to him. That's our reasonable act of service, and according to all Jesus has done for us. we got to get in the word of God. We have, to, we have to love the word of God. You know, since recently we started standing up and reading the word of God, because no matter what happens on a Sunday morning, the worship or the pastor up here or whoever's preaching, those things, those words are important, but the words that come out of the word of God are the most important words that you're going to hear today. And the most important words you're ever going to hear in your life, words have power. And these words have more power than you think. I got to visit a sweet saint last night, me and my wife, and she was just, she's been in the hospital for a while, and she was talking about how she loves scripture and reading scripture. And, and she said, I wish I just had a Bible, and I have a Bible here. And my sweet wife, she goes, I'm going to go do something about that. And so she goes and grabs a Bible out of the gift shop, she comes and she grabs it. And I'm, I just see the expression on her face. And in that moment, I felt like I need to get saved. <laughs> but I need to, I need to, why do I not feel like this when I grab my Bible? Why do I not grab it in the morning and go, oh, sweet word of God. Oh, it just nourishes my soul. It gives me life. It gives, because this is what she was basically saying. Like, this gives me life. This is, there's nothing like the word of God. I love it. And she was looking at it. And she was like, oh my goodness, I love this. Just so in love with the word of God. We need to get to that point because far too often we get so busy in life that we're not devoted to this anymore because we've been devoted to something else. We've been obstinately persistent in other things. 
And God wants us to be obstinately persistent in keeping that time with him, spending time in the word, because it matters. Because I know the word has a cleansing property to it. The word will like get all the dirt and gunk of my life off sometimes and let me walk clean. I love Ephesians 5. Paul's talking to, to people about Christ in the church, and he's using this example of a husband and wife. He's saying, let me explain how Christ views his church. And so he's talking about how we're to treat each other as husband and wife. And he says, for husbands, in light of what Christ has done, this means love your wives, just as Christ loved the church. How did he love the church? How did, how did he love the church? He gave his life up for her, making her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. God's word has a power to cleanse us. When we come in corporately, when we read it at our homes, the, the power of God is moving through the word of God and it washes us clean, makes us, we're, we're able to move. We don't feel like we don't belong. God's word has a quality to it. And then he goes, this is the purpose of this. He did this to present her, he's talking about the church, to himself as a glorious church, a victorious church, without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. This is what the word of God does. It, gets, it removes all of the impurities in our life. It shows us what God wants to do in our life. The word of God is powerful. So she will be holy and without fault. Holy and without fault. Do you know that's what Jesus did for you as he made you holy? And he made you without fault. And he's constantly speaking these words over you. He's constantly reminding you when you read scripture. He's reminding of who you are, whose you are, and why you are. These are, the, these are the words of God. These are powerful words. We need to stay in the word like these people. They were a people of learning. They loved to sit and be taught. They loved to teach. They loved the word of God. You know what I love as a pastor is when people email me and text me and say, oh my gosh, I was reading this in scripture. It's amazing. I remember the first time I was reading in Psalms and I'm reading it and I'm like, this is Jesus. Oh my. And so I called my pastor. I'm like, I was reading this. This is Jesus in Psalms. I was super excited. And he's like, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that. I'm like, oh, I didn't. There's this discovery that happens when you read the word of God. It should excite you. Let the word of God excite you one more. And these people did not just listen to the word. They were doers of the word. They, they heard the word and they applied it to their lives and they were obstinately persistent about it. If they weren't, we wouldn't be here today. They took the word of God seriously. And then we saw that these people were devoted to God's people. They were obstinately persistent in loving and caring for each other. It says they were, they were devoted to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. You know, I think fellowship, we don't know what that word means because it's a churchy word, right? Did you, did you ever use fellowship outside of the church? I mean, if you are a Lord of the Rings fan, you might have said it by saying, you know, I saw the fellowship of the rings. But I never used fellowship. When I went with my buds out, you know, cruising town and doing all kinds of stuff we shouldn't be doing, I just say, hey, guys, you want to go fellowship today? It's a, it's a churchy word. And because of that, we don't really understand the power and the meaning of fellowship. Fellowship is more than just getting together and having a meal. Fellowship is not an event we go to. It's something we are. It's a, it's a people we are. See, fellowship is not something you attend, but a people you belong to. It's this deep-knit community, a unit bound together by a single purpose, 
The Greek word here is koinonia. It means there's a people united together for a cause and a purpose. Like they're all moving in the same direction. And I firmly believe that true biblical fellowship is the ultimate remedy for loneliness and sorrow in this world. You know how many people I talk to and then they're having a hard time, they're feeling lonely and they just don't know if they can get through. And then they're like, what, is, what does God want me to do? Where do I go from here? And I look at them and I say, you just need people in your life. You need people going in the same direction. You need people in your life that are going to help pull you up and to pull you out of that mess. We've been going through this series called Better Together for the last few weeks, talking about the need for one another. Like God has put the church together in such a way that we can build each other up and help my brother and my sister out when they're falling. They can help me out when I'm falling. True fellowship truly sees the other person's need and meets it. You know, I see the women posting on Facebook all the time, and they're always saying, I love my tribe. I love my people. I'm not hating on it. I think it's great. That's awesome. You know, we all need a tribe. We all need the people we can belong to. We all need people that, that we know have our back, that, that move into our life. And so many of us, we don't invite people into our life because we're afraid of what they're going to think, or maybe I'm not good enough because we compare ourselves to their selves. And you know what? They're doing the same thing with you. But we don't invite them into our lives. It's a simple invitation to say, hey, let's go eat lunch. Let's go meet together. Because there's something powerful about meeting together and eating food. Yes. You know, we had our men's night. We wouldn't have had many guys if we didn't have hamburgers, you know. <laughs> I, don't, I can't tell you. If somebody invites me somewhere, what do I ask them? What are we eating? <laughs> right? That's going to determine if I go or not. We have youth up here, it's, you know, every youth, uh, the kids are always asking on the text, what, what's for lunch? What's for dinner? What are we eating? And they still come. But food has a power to be together. There's something about sitting at the table with somebody, getting to know them. You know, I love when my family comes over for dinner because we sit at the table and we actually talk to one another. It's great. And my, family, my kids get to talk to me. I get to hear their lives. I get to hear their stories. get to hear what's going on. In their lives, there's something powerful about sitting across the table with somebody and sharing all that God's doing in their life. You know, this week we got to sit with several people. And it's just encouraging to hear their stories, encouraging to hear what God's doing in their life. And it gives me strength to move on. Like, man, they're, they're making it. I can make it. They're getting through this. I can get through this. You know, their, their, their story is giving me power. We need to have fellowship. We need to be obstinately persistent and having people in our life. Obstinately persistent. Are you obstinately persistent about making sure you're staying in fellowship with people of faith? You know, we have lots of ways to do that around here. We have small groups. We have groups on Wednesday. We have men's group on Monday. We have church on Sunday. Twice on Sundays. There you go. You know, we, we, we have lots of opportunities to connect but yet we don't take advantage of those opportunities. I would, I would implore you to take advantage of those opportunities, to be, to, to be obstinately persistent, saying, I'm not going to let anything else get in my way. I'm going to make this a priority in my life. I'm going to make church a priority. I'm going to make groups a priority. I'm going to make God a priority and people have got a priority. Because when we do that, we're just better together. We are stronger together and we're more victorious when we have people fighting with us. You know, the very first message we preached on this, we talked about Solomon. And he said, two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. He goes, two can stand back to back and conquer. Three, a cord of three is not easily broken. 
So he's saying we're better together. We have more people in our lives. The stronger we are, the more we can conquer, the more we can be victorious. And I need those people. You need those people. And so I pray that you learn to be devoted to the people next to you. Do you even know the people next to you today? You're married. You should. But other than that, do you know the people in front of you or behind you? Maybe today after church, just make a moment. Just say, hey, I want who are you? What's your name? How are you? What do you want to go eat lunch? I'm buying McDonald's. <laughs> Not KFC. We talked about that last week. <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, let's hang out. Let's get to know each other. Tell me your story. I love hearing people's stories. It's powerful. You see people like, man, this happened to you and you still love Jesus and you love them more than, oh, it's amazing. Your faith inspires me. You know, we got to have those people in our life. It's the true cure for loneliness. There's a story I read about a man named David Fenwick. Nobody knows him. It was just an article. I mean, you may not know David. I don't know if you know David Fenwick, but I don't know David Fenwick. But there was an article that was talking about the importance of community. He's, he lost his wife. He's been married to his wife for 44 years, and he sank into a deep depression. He didn't want anything to do with anybody. And he writes this. He goes, I didn't feel the urge to socialize, but that didn't stop my friend Tony from inviting me to join a group of guys who got together every Thursday for dinner. Tony reached out to his friend in need, and he kept bothering him. He goes, I told him, I told Tony I wasn't ready. I'm still, I'm still in my depression. But he called again the next week, and again, I said no. And then he called again the next week, and again, I said no. Then he called again the next week, and again, I said no. And he kept calling every week until finally I said, okay, I'll go anything to keep you from calling me. I'll go to your lunch. And then he said, it's been six years since my wife died. And thanks to Tony, I've been going to dinner every week with the gang we've dubbed Romeo. Retired old men eating out. <laughs> I love that. You got to have people in your life, man, that they will pull you out of pits. They will help you you got to be devoted to one another. Are you devoted to God's people? Are you devoted to God's word? Are you devoted to meeting needs for each other? You know, I, this last few weeks, we've been out without a car, too. I've had some engine problems and car problems. And I don't know how many people have offered to help. They're like, hey, i got a car. You want to use my car? Several people have offered to use their car. Several people have offered to come fix it. And it's just been an outpouring of people. Hey, I have something that I can give you. I have something I can share with you. And that's what this fellowship is. This is what the sharing they're talking about. It says in that scripture that they sold all they had. They sold their possessions to give to those in need. I'm so thankful that this church is a generous church. Oh, man, you're generous. We get to do things that we've never done before. We get to serve a center of hope and love those people and, and feed them. We, we feed the kids at Bill Wright Elementary. We give them backpacks every, well, sacks of food every week to give them food. We meet the needs of the community and in the church. We do that because you people are generous and you love God. And somebody actually asked me this week about the offering plates because we're talking about passing communion out. I was like, well, I noticed y'all don't pass all the offering plates. And I said, no, we haven't done that since covid and uh, we put the boxes in the back. And they said, well, how's the offering been affected? I told them, it's been awesome. <laughs> like, it, it's been amazing. And, and the thing is, I, this is probably the first time you've ever heard me talk about 
offering. I don't talk about it a lot. I teach on it maybe once or twice a year, but I don't, I don't beg for money. We don't beg for money. God doesn't need your money. He needs your heart. You know, that's it. We don't, God can do what he wants to do, but we get to partner in that. And the beautiful part is, is we share in this so we can share in the work of the gospel. You know, all these things take money. You know, the electric, we got to pay the electric bill. We got to pay the water bill. You know, the city of Weatherford's not giving us a break just because we're a church. In fact, we pay commercial rates, so that's pretty high too. And so it takes money to do these things. It takes in sharing. And God, people share to make everyone better. There's this empowerment that happens when we all come together. I love 1 John 3.16, the other John 3.16 you haven't memorized. John's telling people, what does love look like? What does true love look like? He goes, we know real, what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. This is how we know what real love is. This is our comparison. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? He's saying, man, if they have it and they have more than they need and they see a brother and sister in need and they don't share it, then how do they have compassion on them? Dear children, let not merely, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let's show the truth by our actions. Let's not merely say we love our... It's one thing to tell somebody, man, I'm praying for you. It's another thing to grab them and pray for them. It's one thing to say, man, I'm, I'm so sorry about your car. It's another thing to say, hey, I have a car if you want to borrow it. And it's one thing to, to say I'm praying for your need. It's another thing to meet the need. I'm pr I pray that we are a people that are obstinately persistent, like this man's friend. No, I'm pulling my car up. I'm parking it in your driveway, and you're going to use it. You know, that kind of persistence, like I'm going to help you no matter if you want it or not. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to give what I have for your benefit. I hope for that people that we're so generous what we have, that, that people are not without need in the church. That our community's needs are met through the church. And this church in Acts was like that. These people had no needs because everybody met one another's needs. There was a fellowship. There was a connection. They, they, they all partook in this ministry of sharing. They were obstinately persistent in this ministry. And then we see the last thing they were persistent in. And this is really the most important when you look at the church and how God made us and what he wants us to do. They were obstinately persistent. They were devoted to God's mission. God's mission. You know, how do you line yourself up to God's mission? This one act, these people were very passionate to do, prayer. Prayer is powerful. You know, people say, well, all we can do is pray. Man, that's the best thing you can do. Prayer has power. Prayer can move mountains. Prayer can change destinies. Prayer is just powerful all within itself. The most powerful thing a church can do is pray. And I'm so thankful that we're a praying church. I love it when uh, our people go serve at Center of Hope. And anytime we serve anywhere, this is what people overwhelmingly say. Your church prays for people. Your church takes time to really get to know them and to pray for them. Because prayer is powerful. We understand the value of praying. And when we come together as a church, we don't just pray our simple needs, you know. We, we pray for power. We pray for God to move through us to, to help us to be victorious, like this first church did in Acts. When they prayed, the room shook. When they prayed, God gave them boldness and strength. We see this in Acts chapter 4. 
this prayer meeting of the saints. So what's going on here is Peter and John were arrested for preaching the name of Jesus. They're preaching that Jesus said rose from the dead and that, that there's no other way to salvation except through this name of Jesus, except through Jesus. And so the religious of the leaders at the moment hated that. They're like, you don't talk about Jesus. This is just don't ever say that name again. Don't say the name of Jesus because there's power in that name. <laughs> they said, don't say that name ever again. And they beat them and they whip them and they threaten them. Next time you come to town talking about Jesus, we're going to kill you. And so they go back to their believers, and this is their response. As soon as they were free, Peter and John returned to the other believers, this is Acts chapter 4, 23, and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So what do we do when these hard times come? What do we do when there's uncertainty in our world? There's uncertainty in our world. What do we do? We pray because prayer is power. And this is the prayer they prayed. I love it. It's a powerful prayer. I think we all need to pray this prayer. He goes, O sovereign Lord, these are the people, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle. The rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. So they're reminding God, God, you said these things. These people are against you. And in fact, this has happened here in this very city. For Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, and the governor, the Gentiles, and all the people of Israel were united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. So they're, they're, they're respecting God's will, and they're respecting God's authority and his holiness. And they say, oh, now, Lord, and here's the prayer. Oh, now, Lord, hear their threats. And give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Their prayer was not, God, remove these people, get these people out of the way. God, save us, protect us. Their prayer was, God, make us more bold. Give us more power to move out. God, you go where we go. God, you, you stretch forth your hand. You do miracles, signs, and wonders. God, send us out. It doesn't matter what men think. Prayer is the thing that keeps us moving forward. Prayer is the thing that gets us off our knees and into the battle and into the mission of God. If you want to be a conquering church, if you want to be a victorious church, you got to be a praying church. There's a saying, as a church, as a church meeting goes, so goes the church. If a church isn't meeting and praying, it has no power. I'm so thankful that we meet as a church and we pray together. There's a saying that says, you know, the family that stays together Praise together, stays together. You know, the, there's a church that stays together, prays to get, prays together, stays together. But I want to say the church that prays together slays together. Yes. Yes. We talked about this. We're going to make some shirts. Yes. We got to put a disclaimer so it's like you understand what we're talking about slaying, right? Yes. Slaying the enemy, not people. Yeah. But it's true. There's power in prayer. There's a praying church. I mean, why do you think it's so hard to pray? How many of you have this problem? You go and you're like, I'm going to pray today. I get in my closet or wherever you go, try to find a quiet place. Good luck with that. And then, and then you get in there and then all of a sudden all these things start coming to your mind. I got to pray that. I got to, you know, how am I going to pray this way? I got to think about what I got to do tomorrow. This thing's due. The next day my kids are off the rails or screaming at me. And, and you can't pray. There's distraction because the enemy knows that there's prayer and power. Prayer is the fuel that keeps the mission going in the church. We got to pray. 
that moves the heart of God. And prayer is the true labor of the church. It's the true labor of the church. What does the church do? We got to pray. You know, we've talked about what's been going on in this church for the last year or two. And it's because we've been praying. Now, you know, and it's not because of us. It's because God's moving. It's because God's moving. It has nothing to do with us, but we pray and we ask God to move. We started a, a little prayer group on Thursdays at 2. I put the wrong time up there. But Thursdays at 2, and for the last probably two years, we've been, it's been about two years, praying for the church. And, you know, it's just me and a couple guys. But every prayer we've prayed, God has answered. Almost every prayer we've prayed. We've prayed about leaders. We've prayed about finances. We've prayed about the church. We've prayed about the community. We've prayed about our youth. We've prayed about our kids. We've prayed about marriages. We pray about you. And we ask God to step in and move and to intervene. And God's been doing it. It's amazing. It's amazing that God even listens to us. But God wants us to pray. He wants us to move in. And so, you know, here's some ways that you can pray. And I'm so glad that you asked because I know you're sitting there, man, I want to pray right now. When can we pray around here? I'm going to tell you. All right. So every Thursday at two o'clock, not one, even though it says up there at one, we have an intercessors meeting. And so we'd like I said, we just pray for the church. And then every Wednesday at 12, I think I have, you might find it up there. There you go. Then every Wednesday at 12, we have an hour of, we call it the hour of power, right? It's the hour of prayer. Usually we have a musician, usually Christians up here, and we have a devotion and we pray. And we see God's face together as a church. It's a prayer meeting. Don't miss the prayer meeting. <laughs> I know some of you work, put it, it's, it's broadcast on Facebook and YouTube. You can watch it there and just pray, pray for the church. And then every, every Wednesday at 12, then every fifth Wednesday we have worship and prayer. Guess what? This is the fifth Wednesday month. So this fifth Wednesday, we're going to have prayer. We have everybody in here together, and we pray, and we worship, and we seek God's face. I'm telling you, last time we did this, it was, it was powerful. Oh, man, it was good. You need to be at the prayer meeting. Every Sunday morning, we pray. Every Sunday morning, the ministry team gets in there, and they pray, and they talk. Every Sunday morning, we come up here as a group. All of you who are involved and volunteer, we pray together for the church. We pray for you. We pray for God to move. We pray for God to do something amazing among us. And then twice a year, we have our 21 days of prayer that we do. We do it in January, and we do it also in September. And when those moments come, those 21 days of prayer, man, there's God moves mountains. It's powerful. Don't miss the prayer meeting because the church that prays together slays together. I love that. We got to stay on God's mission. And we can only stay in God's mission if we know God's will. And we can only know God's will if we're in God's prayer, right? Prayer with God. And the other thing these people did that was so powerful, they were committed. They were obstinately persistent to God's word. They were obstinately persistent with God's people, like towards each other. They were persistent in prayer. But they were also persistent to the Lord's Supper or communion. And we're going to take communion together. Because it's a beautiful remembrance of what Christ has done for us. If I can get the, the ushers to come up and go and start passing that out while I talk about communion. See, Jesus gives the church this communion. It's also called the Lord's Supper or the Eucharist. It, it's called by many things, but basically it's the table of the Lord. He's inviting 
the people of the church to sit at his table. He's inviting you and me as believers to come into fellowship with one another. The night that Jesus was betrayed, he sat across the seat with his disciples. And he was telling the disciples all that he was about to do and all that he was about to go through. And he, was, he had these two items. He had bread and he had a cup full of wine. And he told his disciples what was going to happen to him, that he was going to be betrayed, beaten, hung on a cross, but that he was also going to rise three days later. And as he's sitting across from his disciples, he broke the bread, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body that's broken for you. Take and eat. And then he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. And this cup filled with my blood is for your salvation. See, we're only saved through the grace of Jesus Christ, nothing else. Only the blood of Jesus saves us. Only his work on the cross saves us. That's what the covenant is, the new covenant. You know, when you read your Bible, you have an Old Testament, New Testament. Well, it's Old Covenant, New Covenant. The new agreement is that Jesus did it all for us. All we have to do is trust in him. That's the new covenant. And when we take the cup together, we're proclaiming that covenant. It's a reminder that we are all united together through this covenant of Jesus. And we take the bread together, we're reminded that Jesus paid a high price for us, that his body was broken so that we may be healed. That, that as he was being beaten, our healing was coming. He not only heals our bodies, he heals our minds, and he heals our spirits. We are made right with God. And when you're right with God, nothing else can be wrong. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter what's going on in your life. It doesn't matter how crazy the world gets, job loss, sickness, illness. As long as you are right with God, you have a future and a hope. Even when it doesn't seem like there's a hope. God is there. And so we take this together. I'm going to grab some. Thank you. And so when we do this together, we, we do two primarily things. We pray for those who do not know Jesus, and we pray for healing. Now, in the Acts 2 church, they did not have little plastic cups and some crackers. They actually sat down to a full meal together because there was something powerful about sitting at the table. But we do do this as a reminder and a symbol of our unity together. There's something powerful about taking communion together. It's telling your brother and your sister next to you that I'm, I've got your back. Like, we are united in this together. We're a fellowship. Like, I'm going to be devoted to you because I know you're devoted to me. I'm going to meet your need as it comes. I'm going to help you in the word. You're going to help me in the word. There's something powerful about this. We need each other. We are powerful together, and we're victorious, and we all do these things together. Please stand with me. So as soon as we take this, we'll have the worship team come up and lead us in a song and altar time. Like I said, we pray for two things primarily when we take this together. We pray for those that are sick, that they would be healed, and we also pray for those who do not know Jesus, that they would know Jesus. And so let's lift our bread to heaven and seek the Lord. Father, I thank you for your bread. I thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life who came down from heaven. That through your body, we are healed. Through your wounds, Lord, we are healed. Lord, that your body and your, your, you are broken for me so that I may be made whole. And Lord, I pray for those today that are sick in here, that have broken pieces of their body, God, that need healing. Lord, as we take this, as we take this fellowship meal, 
as we take this communion, Lord, that you would heal their bodies. Lord, I know I need healing in my body, and I'm praying in faith and trusting in faith that you would heal us. We thank you, Lord, for that. Thank you for your body that was broken for us. Let's break the bread and eat it. We thank you, Lord, for the cup of the new covenant that's sealed by your blood. Lord, we thank you that your blood was poured out for us to wash our sins clean and give us new life. And Lord Jesus, I pray for those who do not know you, our friends, our neighbors, our workmates, our family members. God, that they would know you. God, that they would know the grace that you have for them, the love you have for them, the mercy that you have in store for them. God, that you would change their lives. God, change their destinies and give them a new outlook. God, that you would change their hearts and their minds. God, that you would move in them, fill them with your spirit, give them power, Lord. Lord, cause them to be victorious in who you are. God, use their hurt as a testimony of your goodness. God, I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that we stand as a church with a testimony of your goodness, God, that you redeemed all things and you made all things new through your blood and through your body and through this cup. Lord, we are saved through faith in Christ alone. And we thank you for this cup. Lord, we drink it proudly. We drink it cheerfully, knowing that we drink it as your children. And so we take this together in Jesus' name. Let's take the cup. Now that the uh, worship team come up, they're going to lead us in a prayer. They're going to lead us in a song. If I can, the ministry team come up as well. This is how I want to want to pray. And then we're going to open up the altars for whoever needs prayer. I pray that as we move forward as a church, because God's been doing amazing things. Yes. You know, me and my wife just stand in awe, and I'm like, God, you got somebody better for this, right? Because we don't know what we're doing. But as a church, I pray that we are not successful, but that we're victorious. That we move forward like people's lives are changed, the, the community looks different, that we're meeting each other's needs, that we're living in victory. And that takes us being committed, devoted, obstinately persistent in the word of God, each other, and the mission of God. And so I want to pray that way. Let's pray that way. And then we're going to make a statement together. And then I'm going to release the, the team to worship and the ministry team to minister. And so, Father, I pray right now, God, that we are a church devoted to you. God, that the word of God is dripping in us and on us. God, that we love to wake up and hear your word. God, that we are studying your word. We're learning who we are in you, God. Let the word of God be the truth in this church. God, I thank you for everyone in this building, God, everyone listening online. God, everyone in this that calls Waterhouse Church. God, I pray for your, your big church, God, the church of the world, that the word of God would once more become the most popular thing, God. Lord, that your word would be the most influential thing in the church. God, let us bring us back to your word. Let us be committed to your word and devoted to your word. Lord, I pray that we would go and be committed to one another. God, that we'd be obstinately persistent to meet the needs of one another, to love one another, to encourage one another, to be in fellowship with one another. God, that we'd set aside all else to meet the needs of our brothers and sisters. God, to connect with one another and worship with one another. God, I pray that we would pray. I pray that prayer would be our, our love language to you, God, that we would pray in the spirit and pray in understanding. God, that we would pray in all things and in all ways. God, that we would lift up your name. God, that we would pray for, for strongholds to be broken and mountains to be moved. God, we would pray for the healing of the nation, healing of the world. That we pray for you to return, Jesus, as you promised. God, let us be a church of prayer in Jesus' 
mighty name. Amen. Amen. So I want to do some I am some statements. So I have those up there. We will be a church committed, devoted, persistently obstinate, obstinately persistent in the word of God. Right. So here we go. We're going to say these together. We will be obstinately persistent to God's word, God's people, and God's mission. Do you mean that? All right. Some of you do. We're good. When all of us get on board, we'll really do something. No, we're good. No, let's be obstinately persistent, man, in God's word, God's way, mission, and God's people. This is what God's called us to. When we really do that, we're better together. We're a victorious church. We're moving in power. Amen. So this is how I want to end. If you need prayer for anything at all, please come up and get prayer. The worship team's going to lead us in a song. If you got to go, you got to go. I understand. But let, let be ministered to. Don't leave here without getting ministered to. So Holy Spirit, I, I invite everybody up who needs prayer. Holy Spirit, that you would move in them, that you would show them what they need. God, that you would move them to come get prayer. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus. You've never given your life to Jesus. And today you want to say yes to him. Maybe you felt something in the worship. Maybe this message has moved you. And you're like, I got to give my life to Jesus. Today you go talk to these people. They'll lead you in that prayer. They'll give you some next steps. Father, I pray right now that whoever comes up, Lord, that you would meet the need, that you'd heal their bodies, and you would heal their souls. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Go ahead, guys.